Welcome to Living Life. Today is October 28th. We will continue our study through the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 2. We'll be reading verses 11 through 18. In today's passage, we'll read how King Solomon built his spectacular temple for the Lord by forming an unlikely partnership with a pagan king named Haram. Haram was the king of Tyre, a port city on the Mediterranean coast, about 140 miles northwest of Jerusalem. The Bible teaches that Solomon's father, King David, had previously worked with Haram in the building of David's magnificent home. Of course, David was more interested in building a temple. As a quote in uh, 1 Chronicles 28:2 says, A house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord, the, for the footstool of our God. But God said no, because David had been a warrior and shed a lot of blood. And so God told David that Solomon would build the temple instead. David gave Solomon the plans for the temple, along with huge quantities of resources, gold, silver, bronze, and precious stones. Perhaps it was the recommendation of Haram that was the most valuable to the project, because Solomon did not have experience to do such a large project. Let's turn to God's Word, and let's read about it now. Second Chronicles chapter 2, verses 11 through 18. Hiram, king of Tyre, replied by letter to Solomon, Because the Lord loves his people, he has made you their king. And Hiram added, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who made heaven and earth. He has given King David a wise son, endowed with intelligence and discernment, who will build a temple for the Lord and a palace for himself. I am sending you Huram Abai, a man of great skill, whose mother was from Don and whose father was from Tyre. He is trained to work in gold and silver, bronze and iron, stone and wood, and with purple and blue and crimson yarn and fine linen. He is experienced in all kinds of engraving and can execute any design given to him. He will work with your skilled workers and with those of my lord David your father. Now let my Lord send his servants the wheat and barley and the olive oil and wine he promised, and we will cut all the logs from Lebanon that you need and will float them as rafts by sea down to Joppa. You can then take them up to Jerusalem. Solomon took a census of all the foreigners residing in Israel after the census his father David had taken, and they were found to be 153,600. He assigned 70,000 of them to be carriers and 80,000 to be stonecutters in the hills, with 3,600 foremen over to keep the people working. I recently read an article by journalist Christopher Gall, which further explained the relationship between Solomon and Haram. He says this, Haram was able to offer Solomon wood and skilled workers, including artists, to work with precious metals, fabric, and engraving. Solomon, in turn, would provide thousands of laborers. Haram knew a good business deal when he saw one, but his obvious respect and affection for David and for the God-fearing Israelites appeared to be an equally strong motivation. He sent Solomon his best supervisor and provided the new king of Israel with all that he asked for. 
Aram told Solomon, quote, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who made heaven and earth, who has given King David a wise son, endowed with discretion and understanding, who will build a temple for the Lord. We see that in 2 Chronicles 2, verse 11. Aram, who is not a Hebrew at all, venerated Melkart, the god of Tyre, who was to build a temple in honor of his ancestral king of his royal line. It seems reasonable to assume that in his monotheistic creed-like statement to Solomon, Haram may have been converted by David to the respectful acknowledgement of the one God, the Lord God of Israel. And when the temple was finished, Solomon declared, Now the Lord has fulfilled his promise that he made. For I have succeeded my father David, and sit on the throne of Israel as the Lord promised, and have built the house for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. There I have set the ark, which is the covenant of the Lord that he made with the people of Israel. We see that in 2 Chronicles 6, verse 11. Both Solomon and Haram benefited significantly from the building of the temple and maintained a close relationship. We can assume that Haram also continued to honor, after a fashion, the God of Israel as the one creator of heaven and earth. Haram is a reminder that God's chosen people could not afford to be smug. In addition, the pagan king of Tyre was an early example of breaking down the wall between Jews and Gentiles. The Apostle Paul wrote about this quite a bit, especially in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. Among Haram's continuing gestures of friendship to the Jews was his granting permission for Solomon's ships to participate in the profitable trade of the Mediterranean. Under the instruction of Tyrian mariners, Jewish sailors were taught how to bring gold from India and to enrich their people and to beautify the temple of their king. Tradition even has it that King Haram gave his daughter to marriage, in marriage to Solomon. And God moves in mysterious ways, as with David and Solomon in their desire to build God's exalted house. A large part of it was made possible by someone who was not one of God's chosen people, Haram of Tyre, a pagan foreigner. You see, when Jesus sent out his 72 in the Gospels, he sent them out two by two into places that had never heard the gospel before. And they were able to bring this gospel into new places because God used unbelievers who were, as the Bible calls them, persons of peace. We read about this in Luke chapter 10. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into this harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking, whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. And when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you it would be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, 
they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. These words Jesus told them as a warning, but it was also an opportunity of an invitation to those who were open and receptive to receiving the good news that the Lord might use people of all backgrounds and all faiths to come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And as we go out too, let us think about these things and these commands that God has given us. Let's conclude. As Christians, we know that the world is watching us. And, and that's a good thing because they're searching for truth as well. And as you go through your job and your community, keep your eyes open for persons of peace, just like Solomon did with Haram and the disciples did with the unbelievers in the villages they served. Jesus called Saul, a persecutor of Christians, to become an apostle to the Gentiles. God can use anyone. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And we Christians must not be quick to remove ourselves from unbelievers, but instead find ways to invite them to know Jesus and to participate, and to invite them to participate in building the kingdom of God. Jesus himself came and died for us while we were still in sin, and praise God for his grace to us. Let us show that same grace to unbelievers we meet each day. Let us pray. Lord God, your ways are higher than our ways, and your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Your plan is bigger than our plan, and we worship and praise you. We confess that we sometimes allow our sin to prevent us from bringing your good news to others. We are quick to judge others, even though you've shown great mercy toward us. We are sorry for our shortcomings in this way. And we thank you, Jesus, for not giving up on us, but you give so many chances to be used for your kingdom. Please, Lord, open our eyes and our ears to those whom you are calling to be your children. We ask that you give us the courage to welcome them into your eternal family. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. For a Lichia Vardal and Stepping in Prosa, CG.